You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. You know, if you read my book, you'll find out the second time I, or actually more like the third time I went out for the section the following year is when I got terrible blisters that were bleeding and everything. You basically have to go through all the new things again. So the more you can do on your section that you're out there, if you've got the time for it, your body's already in shape, your feet are getting used to this because the, the trail, the Florida trail can do a number on your feet. And that's probably one of the bigger injuries on the trail. It's just the blistering and other things. You're in hot, sandy conditions and then you're in water and then, you know, whatever. So that was Laura Lee, Blissful Bliss. And I'm Misty Ridley Little. Laura Lee is the author of the new Florida trail hiking memoir, Gators, Guts, and Glory, Adventures Along the Florida Trail, newly published in the summer of 2019. With an abundant selection of AT and PCT and even CDT through hiking memoirs, the Florida Trail, as always, has a short end of the stick when it comes to hiking memoirs. So I was very glad to see another book join the slim pickings we Florida Trail hikers have to read, and I purchased Laura Lee's book when I got the chance earlier this year. Blissful, as she is known on the trail, is not new to book writing and has published a plethora of fiction books, as well as another trail memoir of her time hiking on the Appalachian Trail. With many thousands of miles under her belt, she had another 1,100 miles to her hiking accomplishments when she conducted two long and one smaller section hikes together to complete the Florida Trail. We chatted about how she began the trail hiking with her husband and then how she set off into this new terrain of Florida on her own, dealing with severe weather, a frightening experience she had at a shelter that I think any hiker could potentially have, and the wonderful trail angel encounters that made that hike that much more enjoyable. We wrap up the conversation talking about her book and how she got it published, and it inspired me to get back into pitching my own book once again to publishers. So maybe someday that will see the light of your Kindle screens. All right, on to the episode. All right, I think we're good. Well, yes, like I said, thank you um, for uh, being inter- interested in coming onto the podcast and for uh, scheduling and everything worked out. So maybe you can introduce yourself. I think a lot of the backpacking world probably is already familiar with you, at least people on the East Coast. But if you can introduce yourself, where you're from, and how you got into hiking and long-distance backpacking. Okay, well, I'm Laura Lee Bliss, trail name Blissful. So that's kind of a community thing, having a trail name. So anyway, um, grew up in New York State in the fo- in the foothills, actually, the beautiful Catskill Mountains. So um, I had mountains in my blood for a long time. So, and just the idea of hiking. So eventually I moved to Virginia where I am right now. And from there being here at the foot of the Shenandoah National Park mountains, suddenly I said, I am going to be going hiking, you know, when that time opens up for me. So, um, for the last, I don't know, I don't know how many years it's been now, but Basically, my passion for hiking began when I was little with my parents hiking in the Catskills and actually down in Shenandoah and then became much more interesting here living in an area that had a lot of mountains and a lot of hiking. So I kind of drove that passion to doing the Appalachian Trail, which I did with my son back in 07 and northbound and then I decided eh that's not enough I'm going to do it southbound so I did it (laughs) over 2010 and 2011 and if that wasn't enough I'm section hiking it for a third time and done about half the trail already again so (laughs) so hiking's in the blood now (laughs) right right well I definitely if I lived on east coast I would probably be section hiking as well because 
I would love to do the AT again and see it from different perspective and different seasons. And I think that's one of the things I regret about, uh, I live in Texas, so I don't get to see the trails in different seasons. It's a lot harder for me to get to, but I can understand the appeal of doing it multiple times. So you've also, so you got into the AT in 07 with your son, um, and then you've kind of got this like hiking bug. You've done a bunch of other trails. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, I guess cultivating the, I guess, backpacking repertoire you have and, and how you came to, you do a lot of solo hiking. Um, how you came to that? Well, I started solo hiking actually when I did the AT southbound. Um, my husband did a little bit of it with me in Maine and I did it with a couple other ladies um, in Virginia. But for the most part, I did a lot of the AT south as a solo hiker. So, of course, I had all the wonders of, hey, is it safe? Is it OK to do? And eventually, having done many miles doing it that way. I decided to branch out then and especially try to look at other trails and other adventures, which is where the Florida trail will come in because the AT is actually kind of safe in many ways. It's a well-maintained trail. It's got great blazing. It's got great trail angels and trail communities and a network. So everybody knows about it, but now you need to kind of go out a little bit and do something that's beyond your comfort level, which is where the Allegheny trail in West Virginia really got me ready because there, nobody knows about it. It's nothing, you know, that's famous and there's no well-maintained trail and just getting myself out and realizing I can do other things as a solo female hiker. And so that kind of paved the way then for me to do the Florida trail. Right, right. Well, in your, in, I'll talk about more about your book in a little bit, but in your book, you do mention in like the Foothills Trail and hiking in, on some of these other trails solo um, coming into instances where you're just kind of a little overwhelmed. And I think that's one of the things that frightens me as about if I was to be a solo hiker. And I've never done a, a long distance backpacking trail by myself. I've always gone with my husband on those kind of things. But just doing solo hikes, uh, day hikes, I think I can easily like tell myself stories about what's going on. How do you kind of deal with that and get yourself out of situations that are maybe not sometimes precarious and sometimes not as precarious and our, our brains are making a little more of a story. Yeah. I mean, it does seem kind of scary because you're like, if you're with other people, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, they're going to protect me. But honestly, and I do this when I do, I've done like workshops with women backpackers. Like I'm mean, just like, it's important that you're confident in what you know and what you do. It's your intuition and your knowledge of backpacking and, and hiking that's going to help you. You know, you can be with other people, yes, that could help you along. But there could be situations that that other person may have to get off if it's a friend or there's a situation where, you know, you're not you're going to have to make those judgment calls yourself. And so what I like to do is just inspire women to have confidence in who you are and in your strength and in your abilities and your capabilities. And absolutely, there are safety measures that you can employ so you can enjoy the trail. And for me, I think, too, it depends also on your makeup. You know, I, I happen to be more of a solitary adventurer. You know, I'm at peace with myself. And I think if you find your peace in being companions with other people on the trail, that's absolutely great, too. So I think it depends also on your own personal preference right, as well right. as so all of that brought you into doing some ridge running in the Shenandoah National Park uh how did you come to that and I guess how long did that last and do you think you'll ever return to that 
Well, basically, after I finished my AT adventures, I wanted to kind of give back. And since I live right near Shendell National Park, I said, what better way to give back than to help the trail and help hikers? So why should I take all this knowledge I've learned about the trail and hide it away? You know, I don't like doing that. I like helping others. So the opportunity came up for me to do ridge running, which is not running the trails, but it's (laughs) actually you're out there. 24 hours a day, hiking along the AT, staying at the shelters with the hikers, um, showing them leave no trace principles, answering their questions, helping do a little light trail maintenance too, alerting. Like for me, I alerted the park officials. If there was issues, I would alert um, the maintaining clubs if there were problems on the trail. So I was kind of eyes and ears out there. And it was just a way for me to kind of use the skills I'd learned, make a little bit of money, you know, make a lot, but you make a little for it's basically get paid for eight, you're out for 24. So it's kind of like mostly a volunteer position and just use what you've learned to, to give back. So that's what I did. Okay. And so, yeah, maybe talk. So I'm just really curious about this because I didn't come into contact with that many Ridge Runners on our AT hike. Yeah. The schedule and, and, and um, the season, is it really just during the, the peak season or are you out there during the off season at all? Well, it depends on which part of the trail you're actually doing the ridge running on. Like the Georgia ridge runners, they'll start in like late February because hikers will be out there, you know. So just depending on when hikers and mainly the through hiking bubble comes through the particular area on the trail. So uh, they would have an early ridge runner in Shenandoah start in April and then go through the end of the summer. They'd have a another ridge runner that would start a little bit later and go through the fall season in Maryland. I don't know if you've ever been to Annapolis Rocks in Maryland, mm-hmm. but that is a very popular spot. They have a ridge runner there that'll work through the fall season as well. So it depends on which part of the trail you're on and what season and where the hiker bubbles are. Right, right. Okay. Do you think you'll do any more ridge running in the future or you was that kind of a season in your life that, that you were doing that? That was a season in my life right now. I don't anticipate to return to that, but I'm looking for other opportunities and right now, with my writing and also I'm enjoying speaking. I'm taking my programs to outdoor groups. I just signed up for outdoor group here with LL Bean and in my area and libraries and getting the word out and trying to be active that way and continuing my writing too. I'm hoping to do a how to little booklet pamphlet for backpacking and hiking, especially hearing from you, maybe putting a little more info in there about women and being feeling safe out there hiking too. So I'm hoping to do that as well. Yeah, I I definitely, uh, that would be what I would encounter from people who are women who would like to be outside, but are are afraid to do that, (laughs) getting out there by themselves. So, um, okay. Yeah. To talk, I guess, switch topics towards the Florida trail. Um, it seems like maybe you were on that section hike for on the AT when you kind of got the idea to tackle the Florida trail, um, maybe talk a little bit about that and how you kind of decided to to come down to Florida and change terrain. Uh, well, as I mentioned in my book, um, I was a frequent visitor to Florida. And of course, who doesn't love the Florida beaches and Florida attractions and the orange groves and all that, you know. And so one time we were down visiting Florida and suddenly I saw a sign for the Florida Trail and it was going around o- Lake Okeechobee. And I thought the Florida trail, what in the world could that be, you know? So again, I was out on the AT and ran into um, Chuck Norris and Tigger at the Laughing Heart Hostel. And 
they were telling me about the Florida Trail. And suddenly these little seeds were getting planted as far as possibly doing this trail. So once I conquered the Allegheny Trail of West Virginia and said, hey, I can do something that's not the AT, you can do it. I suddenly thought, hmm, just doing something completely different would be interesting and would kind of add to my, what should I say, hiker portfolio, just something yeah. that would be different. <laughs> right. Now, did you have any, like, biases or knowledge about the Florida Trail? Like, when you saw the sign on for, like, Okeechobee and the Florida Trail, did you do any research or did you have, like, the general, like, negative connotations that hikers a lot of times get about the Florida Trail? Oh, yeah. Here's the two big beefs. You have to hike in swamp, in water, and there's road walking. So those are the big beefs of why you don't do the Florida Trail. And I hear that a lot. And, of course, now, you know, that's what was making me wonder until I talked to somebody about it and what to do. And I've seen hikers do all kinds of wild things on the AT in terrible weather conditions, but they can't take a day or two in water. And I want to challenge them and say, yes, you can, because it's so unique and so interesting. You know, why not? <laughs> right, right. So did you, what kind of prep work did you do before you came down for the Florida Trail? Um, well, I decided I really needed to find out a little more about this fascinating trail. So basically, I joined some Florida Trail groups on uh, social media, especially Facebook. There's actually a couple hiking groups on there right now. One is geared up for the 2020 season, too. Um, and then I went to, this is the Appalachian Long Distance Hikers Association, ALDHA. They have the gathering. And that's where hikers come together, gather together to talk about trails. So that's where I learned more about the Florida Trail. Got to talk to folks there about it and met Sandra Friend and, and um, her co-writer, John, about the Florida Trail guidebook. And through their efforts, which they are amazing, amazing couple, love hikers, love the Florida Trail, and learning about them and what to do and getting their guidebook, I was able to kind of start framing this hike <laughs> in unknown yeah. territory down in the, in the, in the state. So. Right, right. Now, you started the trail with your husband, and he, he kind of left the trail right after, but does he do any hiking? Has he hiked with you at all in any other trails? Oh, yeah. He's been out there. In fact, there is a patch for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy that if you've hiked the AT in every single state, you can earn the 14-state challenge. So he has gotten that patch because he's hiked the trail in every state. So he has done you know, he hasn't done a huge amount with me, but the most he's been out is about a month up in Connecticut and Massachusetts. He came out. He was out for a month in Maine. So he has absolutely come out. But see, the Florida Trail, he thought, hey, I've been to Florida and it's flat. I don't have to climb a mountain. <laughs> so it's A-OK. Little did he know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, that must have been like probably a good feeling to start thinking you're going to be starting this 1100 mile journey with him. And obviously a couple days in that kind of changed and your thoughts are changing um, with that. Were you certain that you were going to continue on your own? Like you knew that if, if your husband quit for any reason that you were going to keep going or, or um, was that something you changed your mind with later? Oh, I knew I, I would go. I mean, he did suffer a little bit of an injury in the, in the, in the swamp, in the big cypress swamp. So I was concerned I may have to do the canal walk on my own. And we'd already set up on me doing it. And since I'd already done solo hiking on the AT, I wasn't concerned about solo hiking. Now, the Florida Trail is a little different. You have road walking, but I'd done road walking on the Allegheny Trail. So I got myself ready for what was to come just in case. But Right, right. Now, what did he, was he at all... 
like disappointed that he was quitting the trail or was he just like, he's not so committed that it wasn't a big deal to him either. Well, we had set it up that he would leave the trail at the, when we got to the city of Okeechobee because he had to go back to work. So okay, that's right. I, I think he had his fill of it between the swamp and the mosquitoes. I mean, my unfortunate thing with, with him is that he didn't, I don't think he didn't see at all the greatness of the trail. And maybe one day we can go back and do a couple days and let him see some of the really nice things about the trail. Right, right. Yeah, so talking about Big Cypress and the swamp, and you're talking about <laughs> those 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 negative connotations of walking in water, it seemed like it was actually a little bit drier for you when you started. You had trouble finding water. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience through Big Cypress? Because it sounds like it wasn't necessarily the same experience most people have during a typical year. Well, a lot of Big Cypress has to do with the tropical storm season, whether you get late storms coming in, whether you get big rains coming in. I think this year, particularly, it's not going to be too bad because the tropical systems really weren't as bad this year. So really, depending on that, you'll get intel, too, on how bad it is, you know, as far as a lot of water or not. But we did have more of a drier time in there than normal. I'd heard in some of the swamp areas you could have up to hip deep water. I didn't have that there in that particular section. So, you know, we did have about two, roughly two days that we were walking in water up to our calves at times or ankle, yeah, ankle to calf deep at the deepest part. But other than that, um, it actually wasn't too bad. And water, you can get water. If you know where to find the Cypress Domes, you can use Sandra's guidebook and also the great Gut Hook app from Atlas Guides. I totally recommend that app to help you as well find water. It's very well updated, excellent app. And also because it's, you know, there's hard to find a trail in a swamp, you kind of have to <laughs> yeah. look through the water, you know, so that app kind of keeps you on the trail. So those that that helped as well but we actually did fine in there now if you go later in the season when it starts to dry out like you're going in there february or march then some of those water sources that are listed could dry up and you may have to carry your water so you have to keep up to date which is why you go to the facebook groups find out what the intel is on the cypress swamp how it's looking for the season right perfect um, now, those, some of those canal walks, you guys had, uh, it seemed like it was fairly typical on those canal road walks, but there were some mosquitoes, and you guys were kind of, I guess, worried about making making it your time to Lake Okeechobee, because you did have a, a nice uh, Christmas Day Zero scheduled at a cottage, which sounded lovely to me. <laughs> it sounded <laughs> like a perfect way to go. I guess maybe yeah, talk about those roadwalks in general and preparing for how did those early canal roadwalks prepare you for later on when your husband wasn't there and the roadwalks got longer? Okay. Well, along around the canal, you basically, thankfully are not too much on a road, but just on a canal road itself that goes along levees. So it's not too bad. And you camp just to the side of them because traffic can go down and like a truck or something for the water structure. So but the information I got from other hikers is be sure you're in your tent when that sun goes down or here comes the mosquitoes. And it no joke. I mean, it was the cloud came out right at it was about 6 p.m. I think during the during the time change and everything when they would start coming out in mid-December. And <laughs> you had to be undercover because it was pretty incredible. But after that, um, 
where I really had interesting times on the road walk is <laughs> after uh, Westgate River Ranch, because there you're out on a four lane highway on SR 60 and talk about almost getting run over by huge semi trucks and everything. And early on in a hike, you're not used to road walking. You, there are ways to handle road walking, which by the time I got up to the panhandle, had to do the 50 mile or road walk. You get used to it. So there, newbie, didn't know what was going on. I had a crisis, and that's why I put in my book about being saved by a grapefruit, which is really <laughs> strange. <laughs> um, which there was, you know, a truck had dropped its grapefruit along near a processing plant, and there was this beautiful grapefruit. And, you know, being from Virginia, you don't see grapefruit on the ground. You know, if you're in Florida, who cares? But for me, yay. And just having that knowing I'd have this nice reward when I got off that horrible road walk was just really uplifting. So, yeah, that road walk is terrible. I, we walked it right after it had rained. So people are, it's the roads are slick and people are trying to pass and you're just terrified for your life. <laughs> it is a doozy. So, and there but, is no place for a lady to go to the bathroom <laughs> for yes. almost six miles. And that, uh, <laughs> That I had to get used to, too. These are things that you don't really know how you're going to handle it when you're on a road walk. And so I'm looking at shadows. I'm looking at what the road, what the cars will be looking at. Are they looking at the road? Will I be hidden by different things? So these are things you have to take into account when you have to do certain duties. <laughs> yeah, I was glad you wrote about that because that's something that I always thought about, too. I was thinking about where I could go to the bathroom, but also where I could stealth camp. Like if we had to stop mm -hmm. here for some reason, like could I make it work here? <laughs> and those are things that I kept in mind the entire time I was on a road, uh, road walk. And I was like, why isn't this mentioned here? This would be a great place. But at this time when we hiked, there was no good hook app. There was, it was a little bit different situation. So, uh, but I was glad that you wrote about that because I think that's something that doesn't get addressed a lot. Oh, Something else about roadwalks. I liked how you were wondering what drivers were thinking about if about hikers. Um, you were wondering, like, you know, are you homeless? I mean, I guess what are the, some of the things you kind of thought up, I guess, story-wise about about drivers? Well, absolutely. I believe there's definitely people that have no idea that there's even a trail. And so they're looking at you with your backpack and think you're a drifter. I mean, on the Allegheny Trail, I had a guy stop and try to give me money. And I said, I'm fine. I'm just walking a trail here. And he's looking at me incredulously like, this is a trail. So people don't realize that, you know. So, you know, especially as a female hiker, I'm not thinking people are out to get me. If you look like you know what you're doing and you're doing your road walk and you're carrying this your backpack and heading for your destination, you know, then you're not too concerned about, Okay, what are people thinking now on one road walk, though, coming out of Madison in the panhandle, I did have some guys stop. Um, I had one guy in a pickup truck um, wonder why I am doing this alone. And I had another guy with his dogs actually knew there was even a trail and wondered, you know, wow, there's actually somebody doing this, you know. <laughs> So had a couple interactions and I'm just I'm very I don't give out a lot of information. I'm very, you know, prompt and very, you know, direct in what I'm saying and, you know, short and to the point, I should say. And Right. Give them enough, but not enough that they're going to really want to follow you or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess kind of in that same 
manner, you had an encounter in like the Forever Florida Bull Creek area um, with a couple different issues. Um, one was running into some, I guess, I guess I call them hooligan boys for lack of a, a better word, but there were just some some guys out hanging out in the wildlife management area. You seemed kind of, I guess, worried about them finding your camp or or them doing anything kind of, I don't know, not good, I guess I should say. But did you have any other experiences that kind of left you with some uncomfortable feelings or was overall like your experience with other individuals on the trail pretty good? Uh, My experiences were pretty good. Now, that one, they had no idea who I was. They just saw a tent, thankfully. And thankfully, the skies opened up, it started pouring rain, and they just got out of their campsite. It was farther down the road by a lake, and that was my water source because the pitcher pump in the campsite before that was broken. So I had to get water, and I just decided to camp farther up this dirt road, which I don't like doing. I don't like camping out in the open, in a field, in a dirt road where you can they can see you, you know, but yeah. I had no choice. It was late at night. And so they just beeped their horn, hooted and hollered out the window and everything. And I just, you know, I, you know, I do do carry mace in case, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I just hung in there, said a little prayer, hope they went away and suddenly it started raining. And then the truck roared by and they were gone. So I was thankful. But other than that, I honestly, you know, I just had a conversation with some folks along the way. Um, Florida was actually very nice you know a lot of great people great trail angels great everything there and i can't recall at this time anything that would concern me Um, good good yeah i I hear mostly good things occasionally somebody will have a bad interaction or something that's not so good but i've been very pleased that that overall everybody they encounter on the florida trail whether they someone they don't know about the florida trail or someone they does that it's been good interaction so hopefully that that's always the case so. Well, I try really hard to get those campsites that are out of the way. And like in Ocala National Forest, you do have a little more homelessness or those that are seeking the campsites in the National Forest to hang out in in the winter. I avoided those campsites. I went to other places to camp. And, you know, I would do a lot of calculating, too, as a solo hiker, how far I am from a road or a destination or whatever, and figure would I encounter people or not. So I'm I try really hard to be careful in those areas, too. Right, right. Um, well, maybe you're talking about the trail angels. You actually ran into a couple trail angels, mostly because you had you didn't do a through hike, per se. You did a section hike. You did a big chunk and then came back a year later and, and finished that another section up. But maybe talk about some of those trail angel interactions, some of the people you you came across, either the ones you, you met on purpose because they had to shuttle you from the airport to the trail or other people that just came, you came across their paths. Yeah, the trail angel network is incredible. In fact, they have their own little group of trail angels for the Florida trail that they communicate with each other about hikers in need, which is amazing. I heard about it. So, but yeah, I mean, just from trail angels that help get my husband to our car at Big Cypress so I could hike on to people picking me up. And then I'm walking along a trail and run into, I call them the Paisley Angels, but the one Paisley Angel took me to her home overnight. And then they planted a water catch for me so that I wouldn't have to worry about water um, near Paisley. I mean, just incredible. And then of course there's a uh, uh, Janie and up in, uh, Lake Butler that helped transport me actually twice. And then I can't forget my absolute wonderful trail angel, Nancy, 
out near Crestview that did so much for me in the panhandle. Um, she was incredible. So I, my hat's off to the trail angels. You know, as I always say in my talks, it's not just the scenery, the views or the trail, but it's the people you meet and like the people that give so much, the trail angels that absolutely gives you just the encouragement you need and faith in humanity and everything that's incredible out there. So, yeah, your panhandle trail angels were so inspiring. And so it was just like, perfect timing for for what you needed and to be able to to for them to be interested in helping you for you know several days in a row rather than you know a quick drop off or a quick uh overnight sort of situation so that was those were interesting (laughs) people to meet yeah like nancy basically took me and her family for probably almost two weeks just from transporting me and then taking me back and let me spend the day on her farm and yeah she did an incredible incredible amount of uh, work for me really as far as transportation and just giving me a place to stay and like that. So it, it was incredible. And I, and I also want to mention too, just those that are on the home front, you know, my hat goes off just to my husband for hanging in there with me, wondering where I was, wondering if everything was okay. He had to send me a new sleeping pad and things too on the, you know, from the home front air time too. That's an absolute angel too, as far as having people help you out when you need it as well. So Absolutely. I think uh, the people in our lives back home are sometimes forgotten about or not talked about nearly as much when a lot of times they're the, they're the spouse who's still working to support your hike or they're the people sending you the mail drops and, and that sort of situation. So um, and it was that was definitely nice that your husband was able to help you so much, too. Um, I want to switch to like talking about the habitats and scenery because you had a, a description uh, of Hopkins Prairie that you called a Lord of the Rings universe, which I hadn't heard uh, it described that, but I could totally see that. So um, maybe talk about some of your favorite habitats and, and, and maybe maybe even least favorite sections of trail that you came across. And because I think that is one of the things about Florida, the Florida Trail is that it's going to be the habitats and the small scenes that are going to draw you in versus these you know giant overlooks and majestic mountains that you would come across on other trails. Well, that's the wonderful thing about the Florida trails. It gives you habitats that you just won't see anywhere else. And you realize, pinching yourself, that this is actually the United States. So just from the beginning, when this big cypress with the beautiful cypress trees, the cypress knobs, I mean, they're growing in the water. It's just, it's it's fascinating to me. And then you go into these beautiful pines and then you go into the oaks the scrub oaks where that's kind of where i got my lord of the rings thing because they'd be so gnarly with their branches spread out and you're kind of going underneath them like in an oak tunnel which is fascinating and then i'd be in areas that are the the palms like in tussahatchee or up in the panhandle near saint mark's where you get into a cathedral of palms with towering palm trees and you think now you've been transported to tahiti you know it's like amazing and you say yes this is the united states i'm not in an island in the pacific somewhere you know so just the beauty of that is amazing and then you know, I'm going into some of these areas, and again, I'm seeing these little cypress knobs that are poking out of the ground, and it looks like a little dwarf forest, and it's just, it, again, fascinating. But some of my other special parts were along the Suwannee. You go along the Suwannee River for quite a while, and that part itself was just beautiful. Along the riverbanks, you're seeing pure white um, beaches of sand. You're seeing limestone formations, and that was fabulous. And... 
again, I also enjoyed the St. Mark's Wildlife Refuge. Unfortunately, I was in a colder period of time with the climate, so I didn't see as many alligators. But supposedly there's one area on the levee that you can see alligators galore, just sunbathing and hanging out. But I saw some beautiful estuaries. and But probably one of my favorites, too, is the Eglin area. And Eglin is actually a military base, Air Force base. And in Eglin, though, the trail is nowhere near the base. It's in some beautiful woodlands. Um, they've done some beautiful bridge work and trail maintenance um, by the Panhandle, Florida Panhandle crews. So hats off to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and of course, you hit the high point of the Florida Trail, over 200 feet elevation. <laughs> and you're like giving yourself high fives. So, <laughs> but again, yeah. some beautiful areas um, that you go through along the trail. Did you have any uh, least favorite sections of the trail? Uh, well, I must say that SR60 with the grapefruit, <laughs> well, before <laughs> I met the grapefruit, you know, when I wasn't used to the road walking was not very good. That was a pretty wretched day for me. So um, probably one of the least favorite parts of the trail was that. Um, honestly, there wasn't that many areas. I decided to do the eastern route of Orlando. The trail actually goes into two splits, actually, at um a certain point along the trail where you can take the west side or the east side around Orlando. So taking the east side around Orlando, um, you do have another road walk through there, which I got helped out by a trail angel there by Dovetail and her mom. But if you have to do that road walk through the Deseret Ranch can get kind of long <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with yeah. very bad water sources, you know, that might be polluted. Now they're trying hard to make a trail through there. So keep it, heads up on on how that's coming along to try to get it off a road walk there so um but that that was kind of a long tiring stretch i would say too on the trail but other than that there isn't really i would say really bad places again the trail's so unique that i just found found it fascinating right right now, did you have, because you just split this up into two kind of big chunks, well, I guess technically about three chunks, did you have any weather events or any other kind of disastrous issues? I know you encountered some flooding in uh, like Pine Log State Forest and some other uh, inopportune downpour sections, um, but was there anything in specific that was uh, an issue for you? Yeah, I had a couple weather issues. Now, actually, my initial hikes on the Florida Trail were actually pretty dry. Hardly had any rain or anything, but I got nailed in the panhandle. I was in the um, western part of the panhandle on the trail, not far from Pine Log, and I had a whole day of rain. Now, that day I was actually slack packing, which is just carrying a day pack, not your whole backpack. And Nancy was helping me, but she let me off and the rain was coming down and she's like, now I can always pick you up. And I said, no, I'll be fine. And little did I know it was going to be a nine inch rain day mm. with lightning striking. I was walking under some poles, <laughs> lightning, and the lightning just hit my electrical lines and it just freaked me out. And then I hit flash flooding, which I'd never encountered flash flooding on a trail before. It was my first time and the water was rushing so bad. I tested it with my pole, realized it was going to be over hip deep and said, this is not going to work. So um, definitely there are times that when you have those weather conditions, you need to look to your trail app and see where you can go to be safe. And then that particular road walk around it, whatever, 
becomes your trail. So that's the nice thing about the Florida Trail Guidebook is that when the water levels are high because of flash flooding or because of one day of just copious amounts of rain, it will, the guidebook will tell you where you need to go to go around some of those high water areas so you don't run into issues. So, yeah. But I had one other issue when I did the northern extension of the Florida Trail, which actually goes toward Alabama. That's a black water um, forest area, uh, Blackwater River, excuse me, area. I had, again, a rain event, came out the next day, and again, fall flash flood issue. The issue was, is I had no road to go on. I had to cross it. Mm. So that was really tricky. And again, very swollen stream, probably one of my more nerve-wracking crossings, I could say, basically on any trail was that one. That was extremely <laughs> yeah. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but got through it <laughs> but so you there are there are definitely instances that you could have the weather but i would say too the weather can also get you in dehydration you got to be careful with the sun especially in the south on the florida trail you're exposed on the canal route walk north of big cypress and so there are issues too just with that that you need to be careful with so it's not just rain but it's also can be sun so yes especially if you're a northerner, you know, more northern person or Virginia like me, whatever, and you're not used to the sun or the heat in the winter, you know, just make sure you've got electrolytes and make sure you have a hat and sunglasses and you're drinking. And that also goes for the Gulf Island National Seashore Walk when you're heading toward Fort Pickens, which is the northern um, uh, terminus to the trail. That walk itself, you're basing desert-like conditions, so you want to be careful also of that area. Yeah. Now, something else that you encountered were some prescribed fires, and you had some gripes with the Forest Service, and I have similar gripes because <laughs> we've had similar situations where we would come through and, and had just been freak, just been burned, and things are still smoldering, and then you see that the signs, like we ran into one that had, they didn't have the sign coming in, but on the way out, there was a sign like, trail closed i'm like would have been nice to know if that on the way in so i think you had some similar instances and i don't i mean maybe you could describe those a little bit yeah i had an instance where in the panhandle where i was walking into a basically they had just burned it maybe the day before and there was still some tape up it didn't say the trail was closed so i said well i'm just going to walk in and be careful but you could tell it was with the the stench and everything that they had just burned it <laughs> quite potent this is an Apalachicola national forest which is known for its burns the issue is is of course that sometimes hikers are caught in these burns and i'd heard about on a trail forum one hiker had to be rescued because they were caught in a prescribed burn and they didn't know what was going to happen so it would behoove the florida trail hikers to try to get at least liking these groups or finding out um, these national forests, there's a couple national forests, the trail goes through three of them in Florida, just to make sure they aren't doing burns when you want to walk. And sometimes they close the trail, you know, even in Ocala and like that for the burns. And it's always during the hiking season. So it's very important because I thought one time I was caught and in fact, twice, I thought I might be caught in a burn because I saw the smoke ahead of me. Thankfully, it wasn't, but it's real hard when you're in a flat terrain and you're seeing smoke rising on a horizon, you're heading for it. You don't know if you're going to be walking yep. into a burn or not. So heads up, you know, it is the burn time. You know, that's their forest management plan to help their forests um, and preserve them. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's real tricky for hikers. Yeah. 
I I don't know what the solution is on that, and that's something I guess I should probably talk to the FTA and <laughs> bring to their attention that there's a lot bigger of an issue of it than, than maybe they realize and see if there's some way we can work with the Forest Service to get, I don't know, better alerts, better trail knowledge out there. So I don't know. I just know it's an issue. So <laughs> I'm going to go back to safety just for a minute. We already kind of pretty hashed out the hiking alone as a woman uh, issue, but you did have, I think this general hiking alone issue, period, um, where you had a choking situation. And I think, I'm kind of curious, wondering how common that is with other people hiking uh, alone as well. But I think that was probably one of the scariest situations uh, that I've read about. I don't know about for you if that's been like one of the scariest situations you've been in. Well, that's one thing when you're hiking alone is that you could come across an injury, you know, you hurt your ankle or something, or you have something like what happened for me at Iron Bridge Shelter. So um, that, of course, that's something I never even planned on. But one thing I did know was first aid. So when it happened, I realized I was choking and I had to get the obstruction out. So it was just an innocent sun-dried tomato that didn't go down right. And suddenly I couldn't breathe. And so I basically had to take my fingers down my throat and take it out. And, you know, I basically just pitched it and said, whoa, this could have been a terrible disaster. So um, that's why I really encourage hikers to learn first aid, you know, even just general topics, you know, of sprains, strains, you know, just knowing choking, you know, some CPR, things like that. You could not only help yourself, but help somebody else. And that's just something that's good to have just knowledge base right there. So, Right. <laughs> Were you pretty freaked out like the rest of the evening after that? Well, until I ran into the armadillo, and I'm kind of glad he was under the shelter <laughs> and came waddling out because he kind of got my you know, thoughts away from myself and why I'm out here. And I was just thankful that, you know, it worked out okay. But, you know, these things do happen, and you absolutely want to be prepared as best you can. Right. So you're pretty familiar with section hiking already because you've been doing section hike for so long. But did you have any big feelings or, or differences about hi- section hiking the Florida trail versus what you would have uh, done if you had been a, a through hiking the Florida trail or did you, are you glad you did it the way you set it up? Um, I'm glad I broke it up, but honestly, I mean the one, the one time that one year where I had to take a month or two off was because I'd had eye surgery just before I went on the Florida trail. So I had to come back for a bunch of eye appointments or I would like to have stayed out there. One thing about section hiking is that (laughs) you got to go through all the aches and pains all over again. And, you know, if you read my book, you'll find out the second time I, or actually more like the third time I went out for the section the following year is when I got terrible blisters that were bleeding and everything. You basically have to go through all the new things again. So the more you can do, on your section that you're out there, if you've got the time for it, your body's already in shape, your feet are getting used to this, because the, the trail, the Florida trail can do a number on your feet, and that's probably one of the bigger injuries on the trail, it's just the blistering and other things, you're in hot, sandy conditions, and then you're in water, and then, you know, whatever, so the more you can do out there, as far as your hike goes, the better it would be, um, but I was glad also I did it because the way I did it, just because of the timing. I wasn't in with lots of other hikers or I wasn't in hunting season. And so especially up in the panhandle area, I think the timing worked out pretty well for me. I did get some cold weather coming in, which hikers are, are you know, you wouldn't think you'd get cold in 
Florida, but you absolutely do. I got below freezing conditions in the 20s in the panhandle. So it was nice for me that once I got out of that and headed into March, the, the weather started warming up. So the only thing is, too, is that for hikers that are doing a through hike and ending into panhandle, that's also spring break. Sometimes there's lots of people, accommodations go up, things like that. It gets kind of crowded and wild and like that, especially in the Pensacola area. So there's just things that you have to keep track of as a through hiker, the hunting season, the times that there will be people out, um, holidays, things like that. But basically, the good the good time to hike the trail would be between December and April because after that it's either too hot, too muggy, too buggy, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, um, you have a little quote that I'm going to read that I it really stuck out to me that I really liked, and I'd like you to kind of expound upon that little sentence if you could, um, and then maybe kind of give some advice for through hikers because I think. It, it, what I'm about to read kind of goes in with in with all of that. So you said, wet feet and swamp walking are part of a unique experience. There are always things to see and learn and enjoy on any kind of trek, including this one. So I guess this is good for all of the people who are, are in, in, in the negative mindset with the Florida Trail and thinking about wetness. And I guess it's more of that accepting the experience and do you have any advice for, for future through hikers or, or just section hikers at the Florida trail? Well, it's important for them to realize that if they've done like the AT or the PCT or other trails, this is not that the Florida trail is its own trail. The Florida trail is also a national scenic trail. And there's a reason for it because there is national scenic beauty out there. And to get to that beauty, you may have to cross some tough terrain on the trail and that tough terrain may be like an Apalachicola National Forest. Uh, you're going to have to walk through some water to get through that. You may have to cross a barrier that may get to you that you, like I did in Apalachicola, that you don't like. You may have other experiences or like that. But it's all part of that journey that you're taking in a unique area, in a unique environment. And I believe, too, that every journey does something to you personally. It changes your mindset. It makes you realize what you can do in different situations, that you can do something maybe somebody else hasn't done, that you don't have to do what everybody else is doing, that you can have your own journey and your own experiences, and then you can share that with others. And it also, the Florida Trail can show you, too, that, yeah, you can hike in some very unusual circumstances, and you can see some unusual things and enjoy them, too. And so you don't have to go along with the crowd that says it's only the mountains. But think about the valleys. The valleys can be just as interesting as a mountain journey. Excellent. <laughs> now, I'd like to switch over to your book because you know, there's not very many Florida Trail books out there. So it was, when I saw that your book was being published, I was very excited about this. I have my own book that's sitting unpublished at the moment, but... How long does it take you to write your books? You're, you're an accomplished author. You have many other books that are not hiking related. I guess maybe a little bit about your, your writing life. Well, I was thrilled to have a publishing house actually pick up. They picked up my first book on the uh, Appalachian Trail journey that I did north and south. So um, once they pick that up, this is when I then ask them, hey, would you like something completely different? And we can call it the Hiking Adventure Series and just 
get you out of the mountains and into the swamps and into the pine and the oak and the gators. And so I proposed this book. So the gators got some glory. So uh, once my publishing house kind of signed up with that, basically since I did the trail over a course of about two years, I could do write out the section for that particular part that I had hiked and then come back and do the next part. So this book kind of took a little while just because it was over the course of two years um, writing it. But usually writing a full book can take about four months, roughly, depending on what you're doing. And then, of course, as far as having folks coming along to help read it with you, just point out things that maybe aren't quite right with it and like that, it's always good to have not necessarily, you know, real close friends because they may not want to critique it, but definitely if you can find some people to help critique your work, uh, maybe pointing out, you know, consistencies or in, or inconsistencies, I should say, um, those that maybe are like grammar Nazi kind of thing that can say, <laughs> hey, this doesn't this doesn't flow right, um, can kind of point out things that aren't right with the books and like that is very helpful. I find um, just just to get that knowledge and like that, because we always love our work until we have somebody else look at it and say, hey, there's this problem and that problem. So your book is the best you can be before you submit it. That's the main thing. You want your best work going forward. Because there are, especially with the AT, the Appalachian Trail books, there's a lot of competition out there too. And you need to find too, what is a book that nobody else has done? You know, what is a subject or a way of presenting it to it? also that would be interesting and unique and and different for the reader so and and i don't want to read a boring book either i want something that will keep turning the pages this is what i talk about in my bio actually from my fiction that i write is i like to write a roller coaster book or even a fiction book for a reader that they'll keep turning the page to find out what's going to happen next so uh, that's the way I like to write and because that's the way I like to read. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's that that works for me. Now, have you always been a writer or did you come to writing kind of later in life or after a second career sort of thing? Oh, no, I've always wanted to be a writer. I was writing all kinds of stories when I was, you know, back in my young preteen Um we won't okay. say how long ago that was, <laughs> but I mean, my English teachers would let me write stories when they wouldn't let other people because they knew how much I loved to write stories. So they give me that assignment to do as part of my you know, work for the class. So so I always wanted to write books and it was in my blood. And so up to this date, it's been almost 30 books now that I've written. Um, I've got actually I've got these books for my nonfiction, but with my fiction, I've actually got a novella coming out about the heroines that stayed behind on the home front while their loved ones fought in World War II. So I'm embracing the victory garden concept. So that's coming out. Home front heroines is coming out actually in January. So I can do nonfiction on my hiking adventures. And then I also love to write historical also fiction. So it's fun. Right. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I had a question and I just lost it. <laughs> um, oh, it was, oh, yeah, it's about, about your Florida Trail book. Uh, when was it released? And I guess maybe tell people where they could find it. So they, I know there's a lot of people interested in reading a Florida Trail memoir. Sure, it was released this past summer. So you can get it in print or Kindle formats, um, basically on Amazon, best bet to get it through there. It's through Whitefire Publishing. Whitefire Publishing actually has a great 
um, what's called Read for Authors site that lists their books, but lists mine, shares neat facts and things. And you can also order the books through there as well. And you can get an autographed copy through there too, which is kind of neat. So either those avenues works out fine through Whitefire Publishing or through Amazon to get the book. And I'll also be coming to Florida in January. I have a couple events set up. Um, You can find me. I'm going to be at Fort King in Ocala on January 17th with an event that evening um, about my hikes. And then I'm going to be actually doing a kids program for family day at Donellan Library in Marion County on the next day, on January 18th. I'll be there, and then I'm going to what's called Billy Goat Day. That's a, like a gather, kind of like the trail days of the Florida Trail. Um, on January 25th, I'll be there. I'll be um, having my books there, too. So, um, Awesome. Fine. Awesome. Well, I'm going to Billy Goat Day as well, so I will meet you. <laughs> oh, far out. Great. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I decided recently that I was going to go, and I bought my ticket, and I'm going to go and hopefully get to talk to uh, people and meet, meet everybody I've, I've talked to in the past. So, oh, that's uh, great. I'm excited about that. So that, that's so great that you're going to be there as well. Um, well, besides those, do you have any other upcoming speaking engagements, uh, not just about your book, but about hiking in general? You said you're getting into speaking. Yeah, I've actually set up for a number of events. I'm starting next year. Um, I'll be speaking at the L.L. Bean actually here um, in Charlottesville, Virginia at the end of February. I've got a couple libraries also set up um, in March and April in the Richmond, which is our capital, Richmond, Virginia area, too. So and I'm still seeking more opportunities. So on blissfulhiking.com, I have a speaking tab there, and I'm looking for opportunities basically in the eastern part, basically um, of the U.S. So I'm talking Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New York area for the spring and summer. So if you need a speaker for your library or for your outdoor group or whatever, just give me your Holler at blissfulhiking at gmail.com and we can chat. And um, I love to talk about hiking because that's where it's all at. Love to get people fulfilling their hiking dreams. So that's why I have blissful hiking. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to uh, come on the podcast, talk about your hike, talk about your book. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that there's another Florida Trail book out there. So thanks, thanks for writing it too. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Missy. It's been great. Okay, that's it for this episode. You can find more out about Blissful in the show notes for the podcast at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com and look for episode 26. You can find the podcast on Instagram at orangeblazepodcast and drop me an email at orangeblazepodcast at gmail.com. Happy hiking, y'all.